welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. Well, good morning, Seeds family. How are we doing? Doing good? This is my second time in a couple of weeks being um, up here at uh, your beautiful facilities here. Um, We had our presbytery meeting a couple of weeks ago and for those of you who don't know, presbytery is basically the gathering of churches and leaders um, to encourage and equip and share and be part of something bigger than ourselves and not feel so lonely in ministry and all that sort of space and you guys hosted us for our presbytery meeting and your team was phenomenal. So I just want to brag on them a little bit. They were awesome. And they were so helpful in the lead up and on the day and everybody who came and served so generously. You blessed so many leaders from across the state and we are so, so thankful. Um, And I was particularly thankful for your tech team and those who knew how to use technology. Because I have a bit of a confession to make. I am technically a millennial. I know. Right? Whatever a thought just ran through your mind. Some of you who are older think... You know, oh gee, young and irresponsible. And some of you who are younger are probably thinking, well, millennials got real old. We did. It happened. I'm not sure when. Some of us managed mortgages. Other, it's, it's, you know, kids are all, it's amazing. These millennials, they got old. Um, but as a millennial, there's certain expectations of us. And one of them is that as the first generation to, as teenagers have had social media, we are expected to know how to use it. I do not. I do not. I'm what's known as a late adopter. So you know you've got early adopters, the new iPhone comes out or the new social thing, and these people just get on it really quickly and they're creating content. And I am not one of them. I will wait around a couple of years to see if this thing's going to stick before I bother learning it. Yeah. Any other late adopters? This is a safe place. You're welcome to be you. Right? I'm a later. I got Facebook a couple of years after because I figured it was sticking around. I don't know where to find TikTok. I'm not going to lie. I assume there's an app for that. I have an Instagram account. I do. I, um, I think I had to set it up for work. So technically, it's got my profile pic on it. So you feel free to follow me. I won't follow you back. But it's not because I don't love you. It's because I don't know how. I have never posted on it. I'm basically, I'm waiting for some young adult to save me from myself or for my children to get old enough that they tell me it's not cool for me to be on social media and therefore I don't even have to try anymore. You know, like that's, that's, the, that's the goal. So you won't be surprised to discover that I am just learning about this whole hashtag thing. What I've worked out is that hashtags can be used at the end of posts to basically suggest something about the post and then somewhere in the big wide world of the internet, that thing I don't understand, they're all collated together. And so for your benefit, this week I went onto my Instagram account. Fortunately, it was still logged in or I would have no clue. But I went onto my Instagram account and I looked up hashtag blessed. Has anybody heard this hashtag that's kind of around there? It's been in the media a bit and it's been... In culture a bit. I looked up hashtag best. 144 million hashtags. That's how many times it's been used. I didn't look through all of them, but I scrolled and got a gist. And I discovered something incredibly important and disturbing. I am not tattooed enough. 
beach body ready enough. It's been a long winter. I uh, do not eat avocado on toast enough and I do not like dogs enough to ever be considered hashtag blessed. I was very concerned. If I'm not hashtag blessed, if I haven't got that cool thing that I can post or that great image or that wonderful holiday or that gym shot or whatever it is to be able to post and say that I'm hashtag blessed, well, what am I? It's interesting because our world has this particular concept and idea about what it means to be blessed. And it usually goes something along the lines of, well, somebody is blessed when things are going well for them. You know, their plans are working out. They've got that new job. They found that perfect person to spend the rest of their lives with and they actually like each other. (laughs) Their kids are well behaved. I mean, I want to know where that hashtag is. Maybe I'll, you know, but you know, the kids are perfectly behaved in public and never once crawl underneath the table and start screaming in the middle of a Chinese restaurant. That's not their thing. But that's what the world says. To be blessed looks like everything is going well for you. Things are looking great. Those plans and those purposes, those great ideas that you had, well, they are just coming to pass. They are turning out. The sun is shining on you today. In Christian circles, we have our own version of this. It largely comes out of the United States, but due to that wonderful internet thing we are so becoming familiar with this morning, that contest is available for us everywhere and it starts to seep into our theology and into our Christian churches. It's this thing called prosperity gospel. And what it does is it takes this world's idea of what happiness and success and wealth and health looks like and it puts a little God angle to it. And so prosperity gospel basically says that if I'm good and if I am faithful, you know, maybe if I read my Bible, if I go to church or make sure I miss it, you know, online, if I have to come be there, you know, if I give or if I'm nice or if I do these serving things, whatever it is that we think will please God. If we do that, well, then God will make me healthy, wealthy, and happy. And that's a really insepitous kind of thing that sneaks into our Christian understanding. And because what we can do is we can start to think that that's the way that God works. It's a bit like treating God like a vending machine. Have you thought about that? You know, I put in my prayers, I put in my good service, I put in my tithe. I press enough buttons and God will give me what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. But the problem is that vending machines kill more people every year than sharks. In the break, we discovered that that's largely through shaking them. So, you know, don't would be my advice. But when we start treating God like a vending machine, we turn that into a transaction, not a relationship. And we become transactional in the way that we approach God. And we think that God is there to give us what we want, to make us happy. And that's what it means to be blessed by God. There's an American um, academic named Kate Bowler. And she literally wrote the book called Blessed, if you want somewhere to start. She did a history of the prosperity gospel in the United States and how its impact has been so profound She was a 10-year professor at the age of 35 in her dream job. She had a young son, perfect kind of marriage. Everything was coming up Kate. And then she got stage four cancer. In an interview I, um, I heard her in last week, she said this. She said, each of us 
through the accidental narcissism of wanting to be happy, gets confused about what we deserve. The world can't help us know the difference between who is righteous and who is just plain lucky. Because she's rightly pointing out that when we focus on the outside things as an indication of God's blessing, we can't help and determine whether or not somebody is just plain lucky or whether there's a righteous... What's going on there? And the problem with thinking like the world or or thinking like the prosperity gospel and, and that kind of insipid thinking is that what happens when you get stage four cancer? What happens when things don't go well for you? A couple of months ago, I uh, had to travel to the Sunshine Coast. I know you're all feeling for me right now. But wait a minute. I had to travel to the Sunshine Coast for like three, four days of meetings. I wasn't even uh, able to see the beach. No, that was three, four days of church meetings. On your behalf. (laughs) Your sympathy will be received after the service. So here I was doing this really holy thing. You know, if ever God was going to bless me, it should definitely be when I had to rearrange my whole life, get the kids all sorted, da-da-da-da. And I had to get up at 4.30 in the morning to catch the plane. All right? So here I am driving along 4.30 in the morning. Now, I had left myself some margin because I'm not one of those people who is okay with turning up to the airport after the plane has left. We've all got that friend, right? I'm not that person. I like margin. I like to be there nice and early, maybe have some breakfast, make sure I can get from the car park back to the airport. So I had allowed myself a decent amount of margin. So here I am driving 4.30 in the morning and I'm about to turn onto a freeway where my car indication comes up that my tyre is flat. (laughs) Did I mention it was winter? 4.30 in the morning, middle of winter, And I've got a flat tyre about to turn onto a freeway with a plane to catch. And so I did what any grown 37-year-old woman does. I called my mummy. (laughs) You know you would. (laughs) To my surprise, my mum and stepdad were not waiting by the phone for my call. They claimed to be sleeping. So it took a couple of tries to get through, but eventually they came and my stepdad stayed with the car while the RAA came and my mum whipped me to the airport and I managed to walk through security and join the back of the line as they were getting onto the plane. Now, that was quite anxiety-inducing. I was very stressed. I don't know who I sat next to on the plane the whole way there, but I think I was coming down from some sort of like, "Ah." but what's interesting is that life is often like that. We can create as much margin, we can have as much planning as we want. We can get up nice and early. We can have everything packed and ready. We can be, and the moment that light comes on, the moment that indication hits, something's wrong. You've got a flat tyre. You've got a diagnosis. There's a challenge in a relationship. You've lost that job. I don't know, a coronavirus hits. Something hits and our plans fall apart. A week later, having come home, taken the car in, it was a double puncture, so I couldn't patch it. I had to replace the tyre. And then they said, and you need to do the rest of them. So I replaced 
all the tyres. A week later, I'm at a conference, a conference for emerging preachers, and I was there to sort of encourage and, you know, very generously on my Saturday. Again, so worthy of God's blessing. And I left that conference in the pouring rain only to have another flat tyre in my brand new tyre. Now, can I ask you a question? Was I still blessed? Was I still loved by God? Was God still good? When we think about this, the challenge is often that we go to that place of looking at the external circumstances and what's happening around us and allowing that to determine whether or not we are blessed. I reckon that one of the biggest challenges we have in sharing our faith or maybe in thinking about coming to faith or understanding God isn't just our understanding of suffering, but it's actually our understanding of blessing. That when we don't get what it means to be blessed by God, when we don't get what it means to be in God's blessing, we can end up with this really warped theology. And so we need to, instead of allowing our circumstances and the culture to read into our theology, we need to return to Scripture and allow that to speak back into our circumstances and to start there. So let's start in Genesis because we've got all day. Okay, I'll go fast. Right back in Genesis, at the start of creation, as God's creating the heavens and the seas and the birds and the sky, and he blesses the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea. And then he blesses humanity and he says, be fruitful and multiply. And just 12 chapters later and many generations later, God pulls out of humanity a family, Abram's family. And he says to them that I am going to bless you and that you will be a blessing to others and that through you the nations of the world will be blessed which we understand to mean that through this family through the Israelite nation they would become that Jesus would come to bless humanity there's this drawing out this belonging to himself this covenanting this relationship that comes with this blessing and then as we look throughout the old testament this idea of blessing emerges And often what has happened is that it continually, increasingly becomes about possession of the land. It becomes about victory in battle. It becomes about wealth, health and happiness. And so by the time we get to the first century, as Jesus arrives on the scene in Israel, the mindset of the people, the mindset of those he is interacting with, the mindset of his own disciples is that to be blessed by God means like means that things are going well for you. You have a great family. Maybe you have some social status. You have some prestige. Health is good. You've got wealth. You've got enough. You've got... And there's this complete cultural identity around what it means to be blessed by God. One that I think we can all too readily relate to. So right at the start of Jesus' ministry, having been baptised, having been tempted, calling his first disciples, he begins his ministry and he's exhibiting the kingdom of God here on earth. People are being healed, he's preaching, he's teaching. There's this strange thing as this crowd starts to draw together and we get in Matthew 5 
this first real picture of Jesus explaining and ex- expanding people's idea on what the kingdom of God really is. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Right? You're going to sit in it for the next few weeks. I encourage you to read it. It is more challenging than you want it to be. But gee, it's good. And so right at the start of this sermon, Jesus takes an opportunity not to explain the cross, not to explain creation and the fall, not to explain the redemptive work, not to criticise for killing the prophets, not to criticise the religious leaders. But in a really odd beginning, he starts this sermon, his first big picture sermon about the kingdom of God, talking about what it means to be blessed. And this is what he says. From verse 3, he says, God blesses those who realise their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven and remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. The very first thing he does that we have recorded, his very first sermon, he takes this idea of blessing, what it means to be blessed by God and he completely shifts it on its head. said, you've heard it said that being blessed looks like health, wealth and happiness. Well, I say, I say, being blessed looks like seeing the face of God. Being blessed looks like belonging to the kingdom of God. Being blessed looks like being called a child of God. Being blessed looks like a reward in heaven. He completely shifts it on his head. He says, you look at the outward things and think that that's an indication of God's blessing. But instead, God looks at the inward things. And what God desires to bless is a surrendered heart. Someone who truly knows they need Jesus. They're not trying to do it in their own strength. They're not trying to solve it all themselves. They're not trying to save themselves, but instead they realise that they are poverty spiritually and they need Jesus. God blesses those who are mourning, who are real with their emotions. He comforts them. Those who are hunger and thirst for the justice of others. Those who are seeking shalom. They will be comforted. They will be satisfied. They will be filled. He takes this idea and he completely shifts it on his head. He goes, you've got to stop looking at the outward, external experiences and instead realise that it is about the posture and surrender of your heart. To be blessed, Jesus says, is not about your belongings. It's about belonging. Belonging to him. Belonging. 
This word here means chosen. It's harking back to that first Abraham blessing of being set apart, of being called, of being invited. Abraham hadn't done a thing when God blessed him. It was not about what he'd done, how powerful he was, how successful he was. No, God said, you are mine. You are chosen. We are in relationship. And because of that, you are blessed and you will be a blessing. We are blessed because we are chosen, because we have received mercy, because we have received forgiveness, because we have been brought into relationship with God. This word blessing appears 112 times in the New Testament and not one of them is about material benefit. There's plenty of them that are hard, like in James, where God said, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Gee, that sounds like the kind of blessing we want. After that, they will receive a crown of life that God has promised those who love him. God's blessing doesn't come because our outward circumstances indicate it. It comes. It comes because we are his, because we are chosen, because we are loved, because we have entered into a relationship, that we are not relying on a transactional encounter with God, but instead we are choosing to be in relationship with him. The challenge of this is that in an effort to move away from a prosperity gospel kind of understanding of blessing, we can go too far. Because as we read the New Testament, yes, there is this idea that blessing isn't based on our external circumstances or that they are not an indication of whether or not we are blessed. But nor does the Bible speak about us being abandoned by God. There are plenty of times throughout Scripture where God is present, where God is pouring out His Spirit, where God is pouring out His healing power, where God is working for the redemption and the good of His people. And so we need to hold both of these things together and realise that whether my circumstances look favourable today or not, whether my tyres are full of air or not, that I am blessed because I am chosen and loved and invited into the kingdom of God. This is the beauty of the gospel. This, this is the power of the good news. And so I ask you today, how blessed do you feel? Because for some of us, as we look at the circumstances around us, we may not be feeling very blessed Maybe we've come in today questioning God's goodness, God's presence, even God's existence. Because as we look at the circumstances of our current life or maybe just our lifelong story, we can feel very unhashtag blessed. Maybe for others of us, we look at the circumstances of our life and we think that they point to more than they do. We can look at that opportunity or that success, that relationship, that avocado on toast. And we can think that that's an indication that we are somehow loved by God. That we are hashtag blessed. And when we do that, we start to rely on our own self-righteousness, our own pride, our own self-sufficiency, 
our own capacity to save ourselves and we will end up in a very unhelpful place. So how blessed do you feel? How blessed do you feel? Because I feel like we need to hear today that whether our circumstances are looking rosy or not, whether the outcome of that test is what we want or not, whether we get into the course we feel like we want to go or not, you, you are chosen. You are loved. You are saved. You are part of the kingdom of God. You are invited to know his mercy. You are invited to know his forgiveness. You are invited to live out his power. You, you are called a child of God. You get to see his face. Not because of anything you've done. Not because of anything you've got to show. Not because you can bring shiny things to God, but just, just because He loves you. In this moment, I want to invite an opportunity for you to do some work with God. In the stillness of where you're sitting, in a moment of prayer. Because some of us probably need to hand over our own self-sufficiency and the shiny things we thought we'd bring to God. Some of us need to stop looking at the, the outside circumstances and chalking it up to how God feels about us. Some of us may need to bring that thing that we've been praying about and praying about and praying about. And today we need to pray about it again. But we need to do it with a confidence that whether that happens when we want, how we want, that we are still blessed and chosen and loved by God. So let's pray. Lord, in the stillness of this moment, we invite your presence. We say, Holy Spirit, come. Would you search our hearts and examine our posture towards you? Lord, some of us have been relying on our own strength, our own self-sufficiency, our knowledge, our expertise, our success, our relational capacity. And we've been looking at these things as some kind of indication And Lord, today we want to say that we're sorry. We hand them over and surrender them to you. And we heed the words of Matthew 5, that we are blessed because we recognise our need for you. Maybe some of us in this place We've been working out how to 
how to do the right things and be the right things and, and try to please God and how to look good in community and, and exploring faith. But we've never actually surrendered our lives and said, we need you. We've been trying to save ourselves. And Lord, this morning we do that. We surrender our lives. We say, come, lead us, save us. Would you take away all of the times that we have stuffed up, all of the times we have fallen short, all the times we've hurt ourselves and others and you, God? Would you forgive us and help us to enter into not a transaction, but a deep relationship with you? Lord, for those of us who carry into this space a prayer, a prayer we've been praying for so long, would your comfort meet us? Would your strength, would your healing power, would your, would your presence? And Lord, would your deep assurance that whether or not that prayer is answered the way we want and when we want it, that we are yours. We are part of your kingdom. We are called your child. We are satisfied. We are comforted. We get to see your face. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.